Welcome, everyone. I'm Reba Sparrow, and today we go online and undercover on the Mystery Box Show podcast. I think you're really gonna like this story today, folks. This comes from a person who we've known for several years, and Todd is just a natural storyteller. He's a writer, and we clicked right away because he sort of has this aesthetic of dark and strange curiosities, and I was right on board with that. But it was such a joy to work with him on this story. Like I said, I think you're really going to like it. There's a lot of things to unpack here, which I will do with you at the end of the story. But for now, please welcome into your ear holes, Todd Kelly. A couple of years ago, I got a call from a magazine editor that I work with, um, and she wanted to know if I would be willing to do a feature article for her magazine on Ashley Madison. And I said, sure, Um, who is she? (laughs) And for those of you who are where I was then and don't know, Ashley Madison is a website where, I can't think of any better way to put this that's more accurate, where men who are married go to find women to bang. Um, And to be very clear here, I am not talking about polyamorous people or swingers. I'm talking about men who want to have affairs where their wife never know about it. And it's not just where they gather. Ashley Madison advertises itself as a place to go. And so I said, sure, I'll I'll try that. And I decided, um, after looking into the site for a little bit, uh, discovering that this will shock you, mostly men on the site. (laughs) Um, I thought I wanted to find out about these men. Not only are they mostly men, uh, but most of them have been on the site for years despite the fact that they haven't met anybody. And I thought, why would somebody do that? I want to find out. And so I made an anonymous account and I started reaching out to people and letting them know what I was doing. And here's a funny thing. If you reach out to people who are trying to have anonymous affairs with people and say, I'm a guy too, and I'm doing a story, and I'd like to find out about you and the relationship you have with your wife. People kind of avoid you. (laughs) And I tried to get a hold of somebody for a week, and it wasn't happening. And finally, I decided that I would instead create Gabrielle. (laughs) Gabrielle is in her mid-twenties. She has auburn hair, and the reason she has auburn hair is because the stock photo I chose online (laughs) has auburn hair. It was one of those stock photos where it was like, you knew a guy would be like, oh yeah, but not so much where it's like, no, that can't possibly be real. She fit really nicely into that in-between area. And I tried to create a profile for her that was like a real three-dimensional flesh and blood person. And so I typed it up, and I put it online. And by the way, now, I I don't know if any of you have ever studied uh, journalism in school, but uh, for those of you who haven't, you should probably know that one of the things they tell you over and over again is if you're doing a story on a person who is not a public figure, you should not do it undercover. Because if you do, you'll get into some ethically gray areas. And I knew this 
But I thought, I'm going to keep everybody anonymous. I'm going to pretend they're on the East Coast when they're actually all in the Midwest. And everything's just going to be fine. Nobody will know. And so I released Gabrielle into the wilds of the internet at 11.30 at night and went to bed. The next morning, Gabrielle had 247 emails waiting for her. And I started to go through them. And, and if there are straight women in this audience who have dated online before, I would like to apologize on behalf of all men. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that everybody was creepy. I'm just trying to say that most of the people were really, really creepy. Um, I'm, I'm, these are people who are reaching out to me for the first time, and I'm going through the subject, and it's, can I see your tits? Can I see your tits? Can I see your tits? You look like my mother? Can I see your tits? And I go through 247 to basically come up with five, what I think are semi-decent people. And I reach out to them, and I start to create kind of what I would call a dialogue with them. And I let them know all up front that I have no interest in meeting them, and if what they want is just to meet and they're not okay with just talking, they should move on. But they all say, no, 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 we would, they haven't talked to anybody online. Yeah, of course they want to talk to me. They would love to talk to me. And so we, we do it, and we begin to, to talk. But here's the thing. <laughs> when you give something a name, it's like magic. It's like how people that are going to slaughter an animal won't ever give it a name. Because once you give a name to something, it suddenly becomes full of life. You give it the breath. You give it form. You give it substance. And what I hadn't realized I was doing was I wasn't creating a fake person. I was creating an actual real person, different from me, but absolutely real. And the more I had dialogues with these people, the more things they would tell me and the more close we got and the more they began to sort of ask me my advice for things. They didn't just want to meet me now, they wanted to know how could how could they improve their sex lives with their wife? How could they repair damaged relationships? What might I think of how they might be able to get their children to, to respect them? And I answered the questions, not as myself, and not even as how I thought a woman would answer, but actually as Gabrielle. And if you haven't ever gone to uh, taken journalism classes in school, one of the things that they teach you over and over is you don't get involved solving people's problems. You're just there to report on them. If you go past that, you go into kind of this gray area. But I think it's okay. I've got a handle on it. And besides, the stuff that I'm getting from them is amazing. And I'm writing the story as I'm talking with them. And I've been doing this for long enough where you know the difference between a story that's just merely great 
and a story that once it's published, you're going to start hearing from other editors that want to hire you. Or even better, that thing that every writer dreams about, somebody reading your entire article, getting to the bottom and going back to the top just to see who wrote that. And I know I have one of these articles right now. One night, I'm typing, trying to get a deadline done, not for this story, for another story, um, and I'm banging away on my keyboard. Um, <laughs> and my laptop's off to my side, I'm on my desktop, laptop's off to the side, and there's a bing, and it's one of the men that I've been talking with. And the man that I've been talking with is somebody that I will tell you that Gabrielle has a crush on. He's a doctor, he's handsome, he's charming. She thinks he's charming, I think he's an asshole. <laughs> Gabrielle, however, is very, very fond of him. And he's reaching out to me and he's saying, my wife is out late, my wife is out late, can we talk? And I'm like, I'm really busy, I'm really busy, I'm sorry. And he's like, how about this then? How if about if we just video link? because I have a bulge in my trousers, and I'm pretty sure you could take care of that. <laughs> it's like, dude, you have no idea how true that is. <laughs> but obviously, I'm not gonna do that. And so then he starts binging me over and over and over again, saying, well, how about, like, could we have phone sex? And I can't do that either, because, like, the only female voice I can do is the Queen of England, and that's not gonna work. But he keeps, like, he won't stop. And I'm trying to top, and it's just bing, 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 bing. And finally, he says, well, what about if we just have cyber sex? And I find myself having that mental thing go through my head that I'm pretty sure every woman I've ever dated has. It's just, you know, fine, just get it fucking over with. And I'm waiting for Gabrielle to show up to show me how it's done, but she's not there. Probably because I'm actually multitasking and I'm trying to get this article done, which is a little annoying because she's been showing up everywhere lately. Not just while I'm online talking, but she's kind of showing up in the weirdest times bleeding into my real life. A few days prior to this, I'd been walking past Banana Republic and there was this, in the window, this small, slender, black cocktail dress. And the thought went through my head, that would look so good on me. <laughs> the day before this, I had actually been in the shower and I'm singing to myself, you know how you're just concentrating on the lyrics, you're not thinking about anything, and I'm washing myself, and I have this momentary panic that my breast is gone. <laughs> and it's just a millisecond, but it's there, you know what I mean? <sighs> but she's not showing up now when I need her the most. I don't know if any of you have gone to journalism school, but if you haven't, <laughs> one of the things they tell you over and over again is if your subject is very aroused, don't talk to him pretending to be a woman until he comes and then has to clean off the cum before his wife gets home. Because that might put you in what we might call an ethical gray area. 
And added to all of this is the fact that, and if you like cyber sex, that is awesome, more power to you. I can't personally, for me, think of anything that excites me less than the idea of having, typing out computer sex, which is weird, you'd think. I'm a, I love to write, and I love to masturbate. And you would think, <laughs> you know, but it turns out for me, you know, it's like um, taking ecstasy and having dinner with your parents. There are things you need to keep <laughs> completely separate. So I'm typing away here, and I get a bing from him, and he would say something, and he's like, um, what's your pussy like? And I don't know. Um, I'm like, I do, uh, what? And he's like, yeah, and how should we do it? And I'm I, I don't hard? And he's like, yeah, and then I discovered, and by the way, if you're ever in this situation, this is very helpful. I discovered the M key. If you press the M key down, it just goes, mmm. And that apparently works just fine. That's all you need. And so now it's good. Now he can do whatever he's doing, and I'm typing, and I hear a bing, and I hit the M key. And then I go back, and I hit the M key, and then I go, and I hit the M key. And then at one point I realized I'm now done. It's like now one o'clock in the morning. I'm finally done with my uh, draft. I get it sent off and I realize, guy oh, hasn't binged for a couple of hours. And I go back and I read the text. And I felt like the most awkward part would be the sex part of it. But it turns out when you hit the M key, the most awkward part is all the stuff that follows the sex. Sort of like, um, I feel really guilty. Mm. <laughs> I think if my wife found out, she'd literally take the cleaver and hack my dick off. <laughs> but I put it away. And then the next morning I got up and I didn't, like I had no desire to talk with this guy again. It's like that, you know, the, like the day after you have that experiment with your roommate in college that didn't work out at all. And he doesn't write back. I don't hear from him all day, which is good. And then the next day I don't hear from him, and that's good. And then the next day I don't hear from him, and that's good. And when I say that's good, that's good for me. It actually is pissing the fuck out of Gabrielle. <laughs> who's a little annoyed that somebody she's just had sex with won't call her back. So Gabrielle and I are definitely on different sides of this. And on day five after our tryst, he sends me an email. And he says, I'm sorry I haven't written to you in a while, but part of it has to do with the way my life has changed since our magical evening. <laughs> I like, like I, I don't know what sex you were having, but... And then I read, and then I get to that place that it never occurred the email would go. And it said, I now know that you are my destiny. 
And this weekend, I'm going to tell my wife that I am leaving her for you. And it was right about here that the penny dropped for me, that I had gone way, way, way too far. And I was trying, I'm very defensive. I'm thinking, how, how I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And I go through the emails and I'm looking through all of the emails that I, I, I've written back and forth with this guy. And then I'm looking about emails that I've written with everybody else. And I can see her. She's not overt, but she's peeking through the words. She's between the lines. She's signaling. And now that I'm reading them with fresh eyes, I can see that she is falling in love with these men and that they're falling in love with her. And so I delete the account. <laughs> and I write back this man and I say, I am very sorry, but I'm actually a journalist <laughs> and I'm doing a story. I don't tell him that I'm a man, but I explain that I'm a journalist. And I say, if you need to leave your wife for you, okay. But you can't leave your wife for me because this isn't real. And the next day I got back an email from him and he said, I forgive you. I'm gonna try and make it work out with my wife. My one request is, because I'm thinking of all the things we've talked about, I think it's possible that somebody who knew me would know it was me. Would you please not quote me at all in your article? And I have to quote him, because without him, there's no story. And I don't write him back, then or ever. And instead, I just pack up Gabrielle, and I shove her inside a tiny box, and I push her way down in my psyche, where she'll never be heard from again, I hope. And then I decide, after these weeks of doing nothing but lying to people, that for Gabrielle, who I realize that I have kind of fallen for as well, I'm gonna give her one last gift. I call up my editor and she says, how's it going? Is there a story there? And I tell her, no, there's no story here. Thank you. That was Todd Kelly, everyone. What did I tell you? Quite the story. I think something we never really talked about with Todd during the coaching process was that duality, not just the feminine and masculine side of a person and who he created, but also literally taking on another personality and what that can be like. You know, it, it reminded me of, you know, that's what method acting is. You know, I theater is in my background and um, that can get into dangerous territory sometimes. Let us know what you thought about Todd's story. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or email, and all of those links are at mysteryboxshow.com. You can also find Todd 
at 7 Deadly Sins Show at the number 7 Deadly Show.org. That will also be listed in the details. You can also pitch your story to us, and you may end up on one of our live stream shows or right here on the podcast. And directions for how to pitch a story to us are also at mysteryboxshow.com. And we'll have those links in the show notes as well. If you'd like to support us, please subscribe to this podcast. Give us a five-star rating and write a review. It really helps us out. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mysteryboxshow for as little as $5 a month. Our music comes from our good friend Farnell Newton and the Other Ship Connection, Our audio engineer is Greg Keenan at Sound Minion Studios in Longmont, Colorado. Thanks to our production assistant, Nicole Perkins, my co-producer, Eric Scheuer. I'm your mistress of ceremonies, Reba Sparrow. On our next episode, where do you turn when there's nowhere to turn to? Now it's February again, and we had not had sex for a year. And I'm in a place where I can't really tell anyone about this because I'm a pastor. And as a pastor on a stage, you're supposed to be an example. And part of being an example is you're supposed to have a good marriage. Tune in next time on the Mystery Box Show podcast.